0: Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Tuesday, December 14th, 2021. A few years ago now, I put on a retreat with one of my brothers across a few churches. And the theme of the retreat was really the Psalms. We called the retreat, Oh My Soul. And it really was meant to look at the Psalms as how they really cover the full range of human experience. Uh, You get the highest highs and the lowest lows, uh, really all in the book of Psalms. I wrote a song for the retreat where the chorus says, from the heights, I will praise you from the depths. I will trust you and just how we get the heights and the depths as we have journeyed through the Psalms. And here we're coming down the stretch of our Bible reading plan for the year. We're coming down the home stretch of the Psalms. And so we've really seen those highest of highs and lowest of lows. And today we come again to a Psalm that hits at a low point. Even it says in the introduction, it says a mask of David when he was in the cave. A prayer. Now, it likely means when he was in the cave, literally, in in the most literal way, he was hiding in a cave. So very likely a time when he was on the run from King Saul and he's stooping to that level of hiding out in a cave. And you also can see while it is literal, in many ways, you can see that figuratively. There's times where your life, it feels like you're in the cave, you're in a dark place. Things are tough. And here we get a sense just of what is the cry of somebody that seeks God in those moments. And one thing we're going to see in a couple passages today is I love how the Bible is real. It does not, contrary to what a lot of people think, just try to slap this nice coat of paint on life and make everything look nice and rosy and good. No, it acknowledges the difficult, it acknowledges the struggle, um, it acknowledges the depths and the caves of life that we may find ourselves in. And so let's just read this psalm together, uh, these seven verses. It says, with my voice, I cry out to the Lord. With my voice, I plead for mercy to the Lord. I pour out my complaint before him. I tell my trouble before him. When my spirit faints within me, you know my way. In the path where I walk, they have hidden a trap for me. Look to the right and see there is none who takes notice of me. No refuge remains to me. No one cares for my soul. I cry to you, O Lord. I say you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are too strong for me. Bring me out of prison, that I may give thanks to your name. The righteous will surround me, for you will deal bountifully with me. So as you consider those words, he's coming from a a dark place. And even in verse four, he says, there's none who takes notice of me. There's no refuge for me. No one cares. And maybe you're at points in your life where you feel like nobody's noticing what's going on with me. Nobody cares about me. And that's where we have to, to some extent, correct that and say, no, there's always at least one person that cares for me. And that is the Lord. And I can cry to him. And even there's beauty in that expression. My portion in the land of the living. And that's a phrase we see uh, used throughout the the, the Psalms, this idea of God being my portion and really a sense of God being all I have and God being all that I need. And even if it feels like I've got no one else, if I have God, that is my portion. Ultimately, he is my inheritance. So we always have something to hold on to. We always have some place to run to in those Times. And so cry out to God today. And that's where some of us might feel like we're really in the depths. Some of us might not feel we're not that low, but we we still have those moments where we cry out to the Lord. We have someone that we can cry to. And if you feel alone at times, you can see it. That's right there in the Bible. That's not something, whoa, if you're a Christian, you'll never be alone. And just this rosy picture. No, there's going to be moments where that's how you feel. But in those moments, there still is truth that there is a refuge. There is a portion for the people of God in Him. And so look to Him today and have that heart today and be encouraged by what you see in Psalm 142. Another encouraging passage that Also paints a picture that life will not be easy, is the end really of this upper room discourse in John 16, verses 25 through 33. And again, from kind of the end of chapter 13 until now, Jesus is having this dialogue with his disciples uh, and really preparing them for the time that is to come. And it all wraps up in verse 33 with him saying, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So there, again, we see a realistic picture that as a Christian, we should expect tribulation. We should expect uh, trials. Uh, We should expect that there will be hard things in life. And Christianity doesn't promise hope by removing all of that from the equation in this life, but it offers peace. It offers courage now. And it's rooted really in Jesus Christ because he has overcome the world. Are you holding on to that today? If you are experiencing tribulation, are you focusing on the fact that Jesus has overcome the world? And another encouraging thing, um, that we're reminded of is even in verse 27, for the father himself loves you because you have loved me and believe that I came from God. Just that the father loves uh, the people that that have put their faith in Christ. The The father loves you and Jesus has overcome the world. So even in tribulation, be encouraged by those things. Next, let's go back to these images that we see in Revelation chapter 13. And uh, today we're looking at verses 11 through 18, and there's a second beast that has two horns horns like a lamb and it spoke like a dragon. And this beast really refers to what many refer to as the false prophet. It seems to be you'll have that first beast, a picture of the Antichrist, who will have authority during that time of tribulation. But then this second beast seems to be kind of a servant of that first beast, pointing to that first beast. But then we get to really what we call and you hear referred to as the mark of the beast. And it says in verse 16, also it Causes all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead, so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark that is, the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast for it is the number of a man and the number is six, six, six. But notice what comes right before that, because you'll hear people talk about the mark of the beast and even people will point to things in the world. And I've seen this for various things, really going back my entire life, people talking about, oh, is this the mark of the beast? And that's where I think anything I could look at in the world right now or in my lifetime, I would say, no, because verse 15 or, or, or yeah verse 15 it says and it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain and it seems that there's this connection uh, really not just with th- this mark it's not just something hey you need this if you're going to do business it seems like this mark is in some way a statement of loyalty or even of worship to the beast. And that's why I think we clearly see those um, that are following Christ cannot take this mark of the beast because it's not some neutral thing. It is a clear sign of loyalty uh, to the beast who is claiming uh, all these uh, blasphemous things. It's a mark of worship to him. That's what we see, I think, in Revelation uh, chapter 13. And I do think when you look at headlines though, when you think about this image and and all these things, you do see things saying, "Mm, the the technology seems to be in place, right? This mark on the right hand or the forehead, I see the world going to a place where that could be a reality. But when that comes in that time of tribulation, it does seem that uh, accepting that mark is a clear connection of loyalty and even, I would say, of worship to the Antichrist. And that ultimately is the reason we see that, no, that the people, that their names are written in the book of life, they are not taking that mark. Uh, So some interesting things that we see there in Revelation chapter 13. Finally, we wrap up the book of Hosea today with chapters 11 through 14. And here, we've seen a lot of God's heart in this book. We see the justice of God and his wrath towards sin, but also we see the mercy of God and the forgiveness of God. And you see some flashes of that again today, uh, all those aspects, but even you see the love of God there in chapter 11, especially in verse 8, where he says these words, "'How can I give you up, O Ephraim? How can I hand you over, O Israel?' All right, We see Ephraim, it was a, one of the tribes and lots of times that northern kingdom of Israel, sometimes because Ephraim was the biggest tribe that was a part of that group, could be used almost as a stand in for the nation of Israel. So he's saying, how can I give you up? So even though judgment is coming, you see God's heart breaking for these people. And then chapter 14, you see just this call to repentance right there in verse one, return O Israel to the Lord, your God, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity or, you know, the promises that he would make in response to that repentance in verse four, I will heal their apostasy. I will love them freely for my anger has turned from them. I will be like the dew to Israel. He shall blossom like the lily. He shall take truth, take root like the trees. Of Lebanon. You see that heart that God has for sinners to repent. And I hope that's something that is comforting to us. I hope that's something that we even model that while we can feel that the anger and the frustration towards the wickedness and the evil that we see in the world, that we would also have a heart that cries out for people to repent, to turn away from their wickedness and to know the mercy of. Of God. And hopefully that's something that we see and something that we learn from the book of Hosea. Again, the book of Hosea, uh, not the most rosy picture in the world, talking about spiritual adultery, uh, telling this prophet to go and marry a prostitute, right? But we see God's love in all of that. And we're reminded life is not always rosy as a Christian. There are times where you are crying out from the cave, times where you are crying out from the depths. But there we have a God who will listen. We have a God who is our portion. Let's trust him today.